Keeping families healthy is an ongoing effort and a passion for Rain Guest. Rain created a successful company that manufactures an EPA-regulated device that attaches directly to a facility's water supply to produce a hypoallergenic disinfectant. This concept of water electrolysis, which is what I do now, um, it's a concept of splitting salt to make a disinfectant and an all-purpose cleaner. And I went on board with them and I implemented that technology in the core group and a bunch of hotels I was working with in Los Angeles. And within six months, a large chemical company bought the technology and shelved it. Wow. And by that, yeah. And so that was, you know, just a real eye-opening moment of, holy shit you know, people don't want what's good for the world and what's good for people around. It's all about profit. This is season five, the great debates of our times. Season five will be centered around the great debates and we will be comparing and contrasting different viewpoints on various topics that are consuming the public discourse at present. The reason I've decided to take this approach is because we, or at least many of us, are losing the skill of debate. And I think this is an essential skill for us all to practice once more. I don't see how we get to the point of saving the world and saving our planet if we don't know how to discuss our differences. I also think that the solution to most of our challenges is somewhere in the spectrum of views, but never at either extreme. I will be working with guests to curate the content and discuss beforehand. I will understand their positions, their areas of genius, and navigate my questions around that so that the conversation is challenging and stimulating without being combative. I hope you enjoy season five of Where I Just Launch, the Sustainable Innovation Podcast. Keeping families healthy is an ongoing effort and a passion for Rain Guest, an innovative and forward-thinking female entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Arrow Queen. While living in Los Angeles, Rain was inspired to launch her career in the green industry, developing customized recycling programs for hotels and other commercial properties. Following to change the game, Rain created a successful company that manufactures an EPA-regulated device that attaches directly to a facility's water supply to produce a hypoallergenic disinfectant proven effective in killing COVID-19. AeroClean is a state-of-the-art on-site disinfecting and cleaning solution that is safe for humans, animals, and the environment. Rain, welcome to Where Ideas Launch. Well, thank you for having me, Catherine. I appreciate it. Uh, it's really a pleasure to have you in the program and to learn more about AeroClean. But before we go there, I'd love to know a little bit about your background before you started AeroClean, where you grew up, and what your motivations were. Oh my goodness. So I actually grew up in a very small town, a population about 800 up in Idaho, a small town called Cascade. Um, I was raised just kind of an idyllic childhood, I'd say. We um, lived on a mountain and kind of had free reign of the mountainside. We lived off the land for a lot of it. Uh, my father actually built every house we ever lived in. He built his own sawmill, cut down the trees from the mountainside to make the house to cut the logs. Uh, we had spring water hooked up from the mountainside, a milk cow named Flower Pot. <laughs> you know, wow. It was sort of that sort of upbringing. Yeah, you know, to eat, you know, we almost got a deer or elk, uh, you know, stocked the freezer. So I really, from a young age, got a high appreciation for nature and how we all absolutely depend on nature for our survival. Um, in addition to just that sort of upbringing, you know, my father was also military. So he had this desire to serve our country and to serve the people in it. My mom was a nurse and later became a nurse practitioner, and she was the care provider for the people in our community.
community. So I was just raised with this really dynamic hold where, you know, once again, we had a really large respect for nature and what it provided for us, but then also had this high intensity, you know, desire to help people and make the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we obviously had a garden every year and stuff like that to feed ourselves, but we weren't farming to provide for others. You know, my mom was raised on a farm and my dad was actually raised in a small town in Oregon. I've been trying to grow a garden, but I, I travel too much for that. So <laughs> no, I totally get that. maybe one day I'll be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> on the farming front, though, you know, that is part of why I'm in this business. When I was younger, well, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, you know, my grandfather, when I was starting to get into the industry I am now, which is in the you know, disinfection and cleaning, which disinfectants are actually pesticides, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that also kind of applies to herbicides used in farming. Uh, when I was kind of getting into the industry I'm in now, my uh, grandfather was actually passing from a blood cancer called myeloma, which, mm-hmm. you know, they know now was is one of the main side effects of Roundup, which a lot of farmers use and nobody really knew the health consequences of it. Now, I, I understand completely all of this and it's quite complicated to navigate. You know, I know that uh, a lot of companies now in this kind of uh, selling these types of chemicals are trying to come up with solutions, data-driven solutions to be more targeted with their use so that it's not like a lot of runoff, etc. But sometimes I wonder if the damage isn't already done. <laughs> well, there's the a lot concern. of damage already done and... Uh, Uh, quite frankly, I kind of wonder if that really is the goal to stop it. Um, Because we kind of have this vicious cycle of knowing that these chemicals are causing a lot of issues. And we have big pharma companies coming out with the you know, the treatments for these issues. It's kind of this ever-evolving circle. You know, I thought during COVID, you know, right when they came out and said, hey, spray disinfectants everywhere, you know, the government didn't give anybody any warning on what kind of protective gear they needed to be spraying those products. And simultaneously, you saw a huge influx of commercials on TV for asthma medications, you know, and different things that were a result of using the higher levels of cleaners and disinfectants. So I'm not so sure they still don't go hand in hand. Yeah, it's a definitely a complicated space to navigate. I mean, you can look at this not just with that industry, but even with motor vehicles, for example. Uh, you know, they're trying to sell us that we need electric cars, but maybe we don't need any cars if they just fix our transport solution so that actually we had a more community-based type solution. But anyway, that's that's another conversation for another day, I'm sure. <laughs> But let's get into yeah. let's get into a little bit about your epiphany moment when you knew that this was the company you were going to start. In Los Angeles, I had started uh, a recycling business. You know, so you know, after living in such a beautiful part of the world, you know, God's country up in Idaho, I actually had moved to LA. And when I got there, it was just blew me away because in Idaho, we didn't see landfills and we didn't see overflowing trash cans, right? And mm. if there was litter on the street, people literally would go and pick up the litter on the street. So we didn't see it. And then I moved to Los Angeles and there was a big attitude of, uh, let me throw it out. The street cleaners will get it, right? So um, I just kind of started getting sick over it almost. So I went to my apartment complex owner and said, hey, look, you know, I want to start a recycling program here. And this was back in 2006, you know, before recycling was really even that popular out there. And I showed them how they could save money. And, you know, so we started a recycling program there. And then I thought to myself, you know, there's a value to this trash, right? It's called an official board market value for plastics and paper and all these things. 
So I actually started going to large hotels and saying, hey, look, let's source separate your materials. Let's put a bailing system in, which basically compacts a lot of these materials so they can be sold. And, you know, let's start diverting some of this waste. So um, when I started getting involved in that business, um, I started working with the hotel group, the core hotel group, and they were doing the development in the Caribbean. And they asked that I develop a program for an island they were doing a development on out there. So I said, yeah, you know, absolutely. So I developed this program where basically, you know, they would ship, you know, they were, they were doing a lot of development. So they were having all these ships come in, drop off materials, and they were going back to the port of Miami empty. So I said, hey, let's put a huge bailing system on the island. Let's compact all these, you know, valuable recyclables and let's bring them back to Miami so they can be processed for a profit. Right. And um, through that, I started working with the government of the island and they let me know that they had had a huge problem on the island. A lot of islanders had got sick and they had actually traced the problem back to the landfill. Mm. And what had happened is because they had had such an influx of development on the island, all the chemical concentrate containers from like the hotels and resorts and stuff, when they got thrown into the landfill, those chemical concentrates are extremely toxic. And they were seeping into the groundwater and making their way to the aquifer, which was the source of drinking water for all the islanders. Mm. So that was kind of my aha moment of, whoa, you know, chemicals may not be so good for us because before that, you know, working as a dishwasher growing up, you know, I was the one that was adding five scoops of detergent, not wearing gloves. You know what I mean? The more, the better, the more chemical you use, the better. I had no idea that there might be any negative effects to these products because quite frankly, we all grow up and we see the commercials, right? And we see all these happy people using all these products and they look so beautiful and pretty and they smell so good. You never think that there could be a negative health consequence. Anyway, after that, I went on board with a company that the core group was implementing in their hotels. It was this concept of water electrolysis, which is what I do now. Um, it's the concept of splitting salt to make a disinfectant and an all-purpose cleaner. And I went on board with them and I implemented that technology in the core group and a bunch of hotels I was working with in Los Angeles. And within six months, a large chemical company bought the technology and shelved it. Wow. And by that, yeah. And so that was, you know, just a real eye-opening moment of, holy shit, you know, people don't want what's good for the world and what's good for people around. It's all about profit. So yeah. by that time, I had seen the negative health consequences that all the janitorial workers were having by using these products, the cleaners and disinfectants in the hotels day in and day out. And these health consequences were significant. They were, you know, bronchitis, skin dermatitis, you know, women telling me that they had had nine miscarriages and their doctors were telling them that it was probably from the chemicals they were using. So when I saw this technology get bought and shelved, you know, like I said, it was around the same time my grandfather passed away. I started having all these dreams and it was just like, you know what, I'm going to go find another way to do this. Went out on a mission to find another way and uh, got, found it and got it patented. <laughs> so. That's really an amazing story and really tragic how business is allowed to operate, right? To stifle great solutions if they think it becomes a threat, um, which is just always eye-opening. And that's why the I, I think all of the solutions that we design needs to come with uh, a business model that also supports 
the good you're trying to do. You need to make sure that it's not just the profit motive that drives that business that's being created. It's it's the solution. It's the cause. It's the why. And the way that you sell that product in needs to also consider the other things, right? So it it can't just be economics, even in your, your own startup. It has to be more than just the economics. Yeah, it does need to be more of the economics. But unfortunately, you know, we have these multi-billion dollar conglomerates that are already set around the globe. You can save properties money, you can improve human health and environmental health and all these things. But at the end of the day, a lot of times, and this has been something that's been heart-wrenching to me over the years, at the end of the day, companies, I don't care if it's a hotel group or a hospital group, they're going to make their decision a lot of times on who they're taking their golf retreats with. Um, or how they can profit even greater by not doing the right thing. I'm going to give you an example. You know, I'm, one of my investors brought me into a meeting with a distributor into healthcare. And at that meeting, they brought a chemical expert that they knew in the space. And we weren't aware that they were with a large chemical company at the time. But during the meeting, the expert that they had brought in literally told the whole room, he said, you know what? He's not getting anywhere near healthcare. The EPA doesn't run this industry. We do. Wow. I mean, it was, you know, I've had mind-blowing events like that. Ex-governor of Texas, he's someone I met before I moved to Texas. He was the catalyst of me moving out to the state. He introduced me to a board member of a major healthcare group in Texas that he was a part of. And we went into that meeting with my lab reports for healthcare-grade disinfection um, because the disinfectant that comes out of our machine kills the really bad pathogens that are killing millions of people in hospitals, HAIs, healthcare-acquired infections. It kills those germs you know, 10 times faster than other products in the market, and they're hypoallergenic, right? Yeah. So when we got these lab reports back, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, healthcare-acquired infections, they are a huge concern globally. Healthy people go in, die at the 6% death rate. One in 22 people get one when they go in a hospital. You know, I'm going in there thinking, okay, I'm about to change the world. Had my lab reports, everything, sit down, we start the discussion, and the board member pushed my lab reports back in my face and said, now, young lady, why would I want to disinfect better? That's a repeat customer. Wow. So you, you actually have a big job cut out for you right now. <laughs> um, so I'd love to know, how are you navigating your success at the moment? We're having a lot of success because, you know, it works and it does save people a lot of money. You know, if somebody uses our device at just 10% capacity, meaning if they just use 45 gallons a day of the product that comes out of it, they're going to be spending about, you know, 30 cents a gallon for that product. And typically in the space, people are spending somewhere between a dollar and six dollars per gallon for product, right? So it's a huge cost savings. So we're having, you know, success, but we are also having a lot of interference. You know, right. we, you know, get into we get into huge corporations and then all of a sudden we'll be told, hey, we don't want you anymore. And we're like, hey, what? You know, we're showing you all these benefits. And uh, the response will be, well, we just got free chemicals for a year, you know, or, or something of that nature. It's a very, very dirty, dirty business. How are you fighting that? Like, what is your strategy for combating this sort of, uh, let's call it aggressive tactics? You know, right now we're working on a lot, a lot of global partnerships with people that are doing business with these uh, with large like hotel groups and large healthcare groups and large restaurant groups and stuff so that we can try to leverage our technology in with what they're currently doing. Yeah. So it's not just us going in by ourselves. Yeah. That's kind of our, 
that's our biggest method right now. And I guess doing the advocacy piece is going to be essential as well, right? Having sort of campaigns to make people request your type of cleaning material. You know, if, if you're talking about hotels, like guests have a role to play in this. You know, people need to know, like, what's the level of commitment this this particular organization has made? This is why I support ESG reporting, in essence, because there is a there is a statement in that. There's a statement in being transparent about what they're doing so that we as consumers have have choice, have a say, have have input and being able to activate people in that way at the grassroots level, at, at, at different levels, let's call it. So different strata, not just not just at your commercial level, but from the government side, from the from the citizen advocacy side. This must be an important strategy as well. Well, it's a double-edged sword, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> On one hand, I've worked with a lot of companies that honestly just throw up bogus numbers. Right. And it, yes, they're, they really aren't doing what they should be doing. So I think... Unfortunately, there is going to have to be a lot of, I don't want to call it whistleblowing, right? But calling people out on their to a certain degree, because there are a lot of people out in the world doing what they know is wrong. And they're tricking people into thinking that they're doing the right thing, which I don't think is okay. You know, I'm a firm believer that you don't poison people for profit. I'm a firm believer that if you say you're doing something, you better be doing it. Like, look, if you don't want to, don't put up the front that you are. You know, that's okay. But don't go out and tell people you're doing it and on the back end being like, this is anyway, and not doing anything about it. Um, But you, I think, hit the nail on the head earlier when you mentioned getting people involved. And that is actually... The the education part of this is so important, but it's also one of the biggest hurdles because we're all raised to think that if something smells good, it must be good. Mm -hmm. And we're all raised to believe that if it's from Lysol or Clorox, two of the top three trusted brands in the world, it must be good. And it's just not the case. We're raised to believe that the EPA is there to protect us in America. I'm seeing more and more how lobbyists are interfering with their ability to do their work. Right. So it's um, it's a huge education process. And, you know, honestly, it takes having talks with people like you that have an audience and have people that are listening for people to kind of take note and say, hey, okay, wait, what I'm seeing isn't really the way it is. What's going on behind the facade? What's going on behind the curtain? But people really have to be interested in it because honestly, there's so much stuff going on with inflation and, you know, COVID Mm -hmm. and Mm-hmm. You know, different things, you know, how much we only, we all only have such a threshold to handle things, right? Yeah. And at some point, it's just kind of like, okay, the world sucks. <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> going to live my life. But your point is everybody does kind of bend together and demand something more. That is when a change can happen. And we are starting to see that in the chemical industry. As an example, because during COVID, you know, there was an influx of use of disinfectants and cleaners in facilities, the harm they caused was expedited. So we now have a lot of class action lawsuits that nurses are filing and janitorial workers are filing against some of these chemical companies because of the harm that these products are doing to them. And it really is going to take um, a lot more of that for there to be a change. There has, there's, these companies have to be held liable. Yeah. That's one of the most difficult things. I mean, when we look at like COP27 and and all the talk about loss and damage, there's a huge, huge piece of loss and damage in companies and in terms of companies making decisions that have compromised us, 
you know, and you think about Teflon, like I, I looked at that movie on, I think it was on Amazon that I saw it about, about Teflon and, and the leakages in the factories where it was made. And, and up until 2019, there was actually no regulation around it at all. And you think about the damage that that company has done, yet because they have the ability to kind of just close their doors and start something new, you almost can't hold them accountable for, for past action because of how the, the legal structure is set up, right? It's like they can literally just walk away from a problem if it were to arise. I'm I'm actually facing the same thing now in the building that I live in. You know, the cladding for my building is is not fire resistant and it was completely a sham in the UK. And actually they have to spend, or the government has to spend billions to help people redo their homes when the companies have no responsibility. So there's there's a big piece in here about legal structure and legal form and being really able to to drive accountability that we have not yet figured out how to do. Oh my gosh, you know, I was reading up on Roundup the other day and reading what was required for people that were harmed from it mm. and and what their compensation could be. And it was, you know, people if you used Roundup in the year 2017, well, provide your receipts for the roundup that you bought and you can be reimbursed for the price that you paid for your roundup. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> how was that? How was that compensation for? <laughs> I, I, I was, it blew my mind. I, I had to go back and reread it. I was like, wait, wait what? Yeah. I think it's almost, you have to find a way to catch people in the act in such a huge way yeah. that you know, you have to get one of those huge trusted brands, you know, while it's occurring, while you're in the midst of it, um, in order to have a huge impact and in order to really open people's eyes. And, you know, I'm sure there's a way to do it. Now, definitely, let's keep talking. <laughs> let's keep trying to figure out how we can how we can raise the vibration and the positive things that we're trying to do here. Let's let's kind of shift the the conversation because we've We've gone to town and all the challenges, but what has pleasantly surprised you in the journey of starting Arrow Clean? There have been numerous wonderful people, generally well-established, retired uh, folks that have been in industry that absolutely see the value of what we're doing. They see the value of a non-toxic disinfectant and cleaner that's made on site. You know, they see the positive impact it can have on the environment. They see that it can help change the world for better for their grandchildren. And those people have really, a lot of them have taken me under their wing and really helped been so unselfish, you know, to make introductions, to provide free advice, right? To really kind of be mentors um, on how to navigate some of this. So that has really been a pleasant surprise right? You meet so many wonderful people that do want the world to change. And that has uh, really helped lift me at some really, uh, during some really tough times, I will say. There yeah. are good people and they do want to see the world better. That's really powerful and important message to bring out. You know, when you're making change happen, change is necessarily challenging, right? Change is necessarily about agitating what exists, and you need to have those places to retreat. You need to have those places where you can put up your boundaries and rebuild your resilience and, you know, re reassure yourself that your path is clear and, and, and true, 
right? So definitely, I, yeah. I think mm-hmm. this is something that we need to celebrate. Yeah, we need hope along the way, right? Because there are a lot of rough days when you're getting beat down in business. You know, business is tough. And, you know, when you have those people that come along and are there to help you, and you just have those chance meetings with people. I mean, it's amazing. It really does rejuvenate and lift your soul again and remind you why you're doing what you're doing. Because, you yeah. know, it's, it's not an easy path. You know, I mean, look, I'm a woman. I could have got married rich, young, and went on a very easy life, right? But I just felt driven to do something that had a positive impact in the world. And frankly, I mean, I used to want eight kids when I was little. I think the only way I'm going to get there now is if I marry Elon Musk and, you know, adopt his 10. But... Um, <laughs> When I was little, even I was like, you know, if I'm going to have kids one day, I want the world to be better. You know, I want to make sure that they come into a good world. So, you know, when you come across people that are willing to help and they see the vision and they see the difference it can make, I mean, it really does fill up your tank, right? It gives you the energy to go on. So there are wonderful people in the world. I don't want to make it sound all bad, but... No, absolutely. And share with us, what are your big goals? So if you were to find that right investor, if you were to, you know, have that security that you can, you can scale this thing, what, what are your goals? Well, my goal is to have as big of impact as possible, right? So we're in a very unique position right now. We have a wonderful manufacturer that can grow. Um, I believe in setting up manufacturing in every country that you're doing business. So I'd have a manufacturing plant in every country that we're delivering our devices. And I would have our devices set up at strategic locations because each one can make 450 gallons of product a day. And I would have everybody, when they go grocery shopping, refilling their spray bottles so they could use it at home. I'd have hospitals and schools and large office buildings having their own devices so that they can make their stuff on site. And I would just love to see how that changes the world. I'd love to see how you know, stopping delivery trucks, not using the gas, not using the oil it takes to make plastic containers, not throwing away the packaging, not exposing people to the toxic air contaminants that a lot of these products contain. And just seeing what kind of health and environmental impact that would have on a global scale would just be astounding to me. And we've done one calculation on, you know, it's like a finite calculation we can do. So each one of our devices if they were to be used at 50% capacity over the course of five years, just based off eliminating plastic cork containers, you know, like the ones that hold Windex and Clorox and stuff, just by eliminating those plastic containers, we would reduce carbon footprint by 5 million pounds per device over five years. That's an astounding number. It is. Wow. Yeah. I want to see the change and I want to see the shift in just humans knowing that by making change, because I think a lot of times people kind of get stuck in it. Well, what can I do? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make a change. And I'm like, no, you do make a change. And the next person makes a change. And that change builds, right? And pretty soon you don't just have a small wave of change. You get a tsunami of change. And at some point when that tsunami gets large enough, you knock the other shit down and it yeah. takes over. And that's what I want to see in the world. I love this. I'm really excited by everything I've heard today. I'd love you to share some tips with my listeners about what they can do about their current cleaning products and which ones to really look out for, which ones to really be cautious about if they had to make a few quick replacements um, for starters. And then, of course, let them know how they can engage with your product. My biggest tip right now is get Lysol out of your house. Uh, Lysol contains toxic air contaminants. And it is a health risk to people. 
So just get that out of your house. When you look for products, be very aware of the contact time. Contact time is the amount of time a product actually has to sit wet on a surface for it to kill the germs it says it kills. Most products are 10 minutes. If you're not letting it sit 10 minutes, it's not doing the job. And avoid fragrances. Fragrances contain volatile air contaminants that don't only ruin our environment and our ozone and whatnot, but again, they cause damage to our respiratory system and they make us more susceptible to illness. How can my listeners get engaged with your product, with your service, and uh, find out more and actually support your, your movement? Yeah, please go to the website, aeroclean.com, get signed up, you know, go to our recent press. You can read up on some of the successes we're having. You know, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, social media, aeroclean.com. Yeah, we want to hear from you. We plan on starting a lot of petitions. So if we know you're interested in seeing change, we will absolutely keep you abreast of what we're doing and how you can help. I love this. We really want to see your brand succeed. I'm definitely going to be sharing this across all our channels. And we wish you all the very best, Rain. And we look forward to when you're in a position to have scaled and gotten more international than you currently are and we're definitely here for that and here to support oh so appreciate it and i hope to have a follow-up conversation with you soon perfect thank you so much for joining us thank you have a wonderful day this podcast is brought to you today by the brand new women in sustainable business awards that kicks off in 2023 If you're a business owner who's starting a business with principles of sustainability in mind and you want to preserve some lost skills, some handcrafting, artisanal work, or you're a social media manager supporting purpose-driven brands, or you're creating fashion or something that is relevant to the sustainability and green transformation, you are more than welcome to join us and to get involved in these awards. Check out our group on Facebook, Women in Sustainable Business, or follow the podcast Where Ideas Launch on Instagram to find out more.